Congratulations, you found it! This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read, recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Starring the original book divas Martha Steele, Vonnie Golden, and Nicole Shaded. Also featuring book nerds Jessica Butcher and Josh Lupton. Together, searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. <laughs> well, earlier today there was a tornado warning, a fire warning, a wind advisory, and a freeze warning for tomorrow. Yeah. That's pretty much Oklahoma. Yeah. If you look out the window right now, it looks like, what does that look like? A San Francisco fog? It looks like the fog from the movie The Fog. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. It looks oh my menacing. God. It looks like I can it barely breathe and there are no windows in this building. That's what it's like. <laughs> There is something on fire! <laughs> Holy shit, there's a fire. The roof, the roof, the, the roof, roof is, is on fire. fire. <laughs> Nicole's not here. She can't get pissed off about my redneck. <laughs> Nicole is out of the building. And we have two guests. Yes, we have two. Welcome to Christina. Hello, hello. The How beautiful Christina. Ooh. And uh, back our, by popular demands, <laughs> I am back. Alyssa, the queen, the queen of romance. That's what I want my title to be. The queen of romance. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you really want to be the queen of romance, you may. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. It's better than being the queen of true crime or the queen of serial killers, Martha. Yeah, I mean... Of strewed strewed along body parts. All right. (laughs) You can... You know what? I'm just going to give in to that. I'm just going to let you be whatever you want to be. And I'm the queen of war. Okay, so from now on, we can just have our own little thing, and you can be the queen of romance whenever you come on. You can do a romance novel. Yes, but not today. Because I picked a good book today. Oh. <laughs> as a, as opposed to um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hey, <laughs> shut your face! <laughs> Don't make whoop, her go over there. Whoop, whoop. Okay, <laughs> um. okay. So today I was on on Facebook. Christina, do you want me to give your last name? Uh, I don't mind. Yeah, that's Christina fine. Hall. Yes, that'll work. And we already gave your last name before, didn't we? Did we give your last name? Yes. I don't remember what it is, though. It's Alyssa Mann. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just to I, clarify. I, I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> if we if did we that did, or not. I don't, remember if, I don't remember if we did that or not, but we will tag you. Yay. On, your, on, on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> we'll tag you on Facebook and on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so now we'll all be up. We're all right about it. And you know, we, we thought we'd start off tonight in a very three book girls type way. We're going to talk about strippers. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> and I picked a good first episode. Yeah. <laughs> and and we're, we're all going to have, we're all going to talk about our stripper names and yeah. what our stripper names would be. I saw a post on Facebook today when I was scrolling around, you know. And we were talking about it right before. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a post on there that said mm. that the color of your underwear and the last thing you ate is your stripper name. So I read it and I started laughing and Martha's like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, so I read her the post and I'm like, so mine would be great chicken. <laughs> and you'll never guess. You'll never Martha's guess. Martha's was better. You'll never guess what mine was. Purple Popeye. Ooh. That's great. Because I had Popeye's <laughs> so, so uh, as we were driving to Starbucks to get our coffee, as we do, as you know, that's our show prep. Mm-hmm. So we're driving, driving through Starbucks. We were talking about what stripper bars we would perform in, mm-hmm. and Vonnie decided that her mine would have to be Red Dog because Gray Chicken is kind of skanky, <laughs> little skanky. And for me, it would have to be. Well, I don't really, I'm not really that familiar with stripper bars, <laughs> so we were having a really hard time trying to come up with something that might fit that Have bill. you never been to Valley Brook? That's where they are. They all yeah. live there. Yep. No. That's where, all where the they are. are. They're like four on one corner of 29th Street. It's not an exaggeration. Because sometimes they'll Why did a... I know you were going to know this information, Alyssa? <laughs> because she's the queen it's of romance. who I am as a person. Sometimes I take the long way to my dad's house and he lives off 29th Street, not in Valley Brook. I just want to clarify. <laughs> but 
You have to drive through that intersection. <laughs> well, we decided that her her name was going to be. We were going to create a stripper bar named Wimpy so that she can have a hamburger today and strip on Tuesday. No, no, so that I would gladly strip on Tuesday for a hamburger today. Have you guys ever watched Popeye? They're the they're cartoon? looking at us with a blank stare. No, <laughs> they don't know. Okay, because no. Wimpy, Wimpy, it was the character that was always mooching. I'll okay, let's and YouTube he would this. say, "I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today." Was his line. So this will cater to an older crowd than who gets the joke. And it's oh, not Christ. funny when you have to um, explain it. You know what? The patrons that go to the Red Dog might understand it. Where is the Red Dog? It's on 10th Street. But I'm not supposed yeah. to be the Red Dog over here. <laughs> the other day, um, You're the I was... Red Dog. You want to hear something funny? What? Is I was driving... I was in the car the other day with your son going down 10th Street, and we passed Red <laughs> Why Dog. Why were you in the car? Why were you in the car with my son on 10th Street? And I'm like, that's oh, that's where Red Dog is. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> oh. Why does my son know where the Red Dog is? I, I mean, he's probably never been there. He probably just had passed it before, but <laughs> he's like... <laughs> I wish you could see my face right now. Well, he didn't understand my amusement with the Red Dog, so he must never have been there. He's like, Boy, are you covering up right now? You're really <laughs> no, 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 up. because he's like, what's so special about the Red Dog? I'm like, you haven't heard stories about the Red Dog? He's like, no. Everyone needs to go at least once. It's part of growing up in Oklahoma. It's just an experience. So, I have uh, never been. Have you not? What y'all doing? Hey, what y'all doing later? <laughs> <laughs> no, we got our stripper names. That's good enough. I'll gladly you. I'll gladly strip on Tuesday for a hamburger today, just like Patty the Daytime Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you haven't seen that show either. No. What Can't is that? My name is Earl. Oh, yes. Yeah. I haven't seen Patty all the, of it. Patty the Daytime Hooker? Gosh, she, I was the seen... best. she was the best character. <laughs> I haven't seen that many episodes. I want to, but it's not streaming anywhere. What the hell? I know. The best shows always get the axe. I know. Well, it's really good. They made The people who made that made Raising Hope. It's also Which was excellent. I love so Raising excellent. Hope. That was an yeah. excellent show. Yes. Mama. Yes. God, I love oh, that show. I love her. I just love the, they just have that whole episode dedicated to Rear Window. And I was like, if you've never seen Rear Window, you'd have no idea what this episode of the show is about. <laughs> Why they were being this way. We had something interesting happen to us, we a did. real three-book girl moment. We actually were interviewed by uh, Yellow Taxi Press, one yes. of the ones who kind of blurbed about us on their website. Ooh. They um, did like a little interview with us via email, and they were on their website. The interview is on the website. I've posted it to like our Twitter and Martha posted it to our Facebook book, but you know, check it out. It's pretty interesting. Yes. I'm just excited that, you know, we actually got interviewed. It's, it's our first official solo interview, mm-hmm. which is really cool. <laughs> that's so exciting for you guys. It is exciting. That's amazing. And just think you're a part of it right now. Yes. I feel very you're special. a part of our magic. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen her flip her hair just then. It was, it was really wonderful. Exciting, yeah. yeah. Except my hair is up. So <laughs> much of I'm sorry. It's a virtual flip. looking at the smoke. <laughs> I know it's really weird. Just it's like, getting worse. It, now it looks like the fog from from, from Stephen King's The, the Fog. fog. <laughs> it's like rolling in and pressing up against the windows, and pretty soon shit's going to start to come out of it and swallow us. And then it feels we'll like die. a post-apocalyptic zombie movie. Yes, it kind down. of does. It's really freaking me out about right now. We should take a picture of it so that this so our audience could see it. There you go. <coughs> <laughs> I might have to use my inhaler. You have to embrace the smoke. <coughs> Just imagine this campfire. I usually, I, as a small child, I was not allowed at the campfire because of my asthma. Oh, no. My yas, my asthma. <laughs> it's my asthma. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. <clears throat> so thank you very much to Yellow Taxi Press. Sorry, <laughs> getting off. We, we got off subject a little bit. <laughs> Yellow Taxi, you guys are you guys are the best. And for anybody who wants to submit anything to them, uh, young writers, why are you staring at me like that? Are you a young writer? A young person, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. And you you happen to be 
uh, on the young writer side, perhaps? I just like to write stuff, yeah. Well, perhaps you should submit something. I should finish something. To Yellow Taxi Press. <laughs> for once. Because, you know, they're looking for people who are in the age range of 18 to 25. Oh, I'm out. Are you? Are I you am. too old for that? 26. <gasps> <gasps> Maybe oh be an exception for one year. <laughs> and with for that, one year. I suddenly feel really old. <laughs> Well, well, if you feel old, then we must be like ancient. I mean, we are talking about black and white cartoons that we watched when we were little. Um, only I didn't know it was black and white because I just had a black and white TV. I had a black and white TV when I was a kid, too. That and only had, had three channels. Uphill three both channels, ways in the snow. Rabbit ears. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I will say my childhood TV, until the sound finally blew out in like, 2008 was encased in wood it had a glass top and it swiveled and also when the people who did our cable tried to come and connect it they couldn't figure out how to connect it to this tv oh my god because it did not exist technology did not exist that was back when you had the little like prongs that you had to like unscrew Uh the screw put the prong and screw it back in that was the back of that tv that was our tv they had to like call they were like you know, we've never encountered we need this an before. Adapter. I don't understand this. This TV. is a steampunk TV. It was a steampunk TV. It was a focal point. Back when TVs were a focal um, point. It focal sounds point. Like, was it the furniture, like the four foot long furniture, and you put the nativity set on top of the television because there's a pretty little like cabinet on it? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was ours. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was when we tried to remove it from the house. I mean, oh, my God. I don't know how much it weighed. I'm not weak, and neither is my mom. And all we could do was just slide it across the carpet, and then we couldn't get it any farther because we couldn't lift it off the ground. <laughs> I mean, my 13-inch black and white TV sat in, on top of our broken console TV like that. That is a childhood <laughs> staple. <laughs> yeah. And as we all sat, stand here and look at our little computers in the palms of our hands. I know. God. They're so nice. Time has changed. <clears throat> and the times, they are changing. <laughs> yeah, Yellow Taxi Press. Go to their website. Check us out. Maybe read some of their essays. I've read a few of their essays. They're pretty good. And there's romance ones on there. Yes. The yeah. one I read was actually kind of romancy. I would not recommend it to Martha at all. Oh, good. Because I'll <laughs> probably like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. not Tin Man approved. Hey, <laughs> hey, you better watch out because I am going to, I, me, moi, am going to do a romance tonight. <gasps> a real one? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you go with it? It's going to be one of those weird romances like yeah. between like animals or yeah. ghosts or yeah. zombies. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to get a little zombie booty going on over there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but that's for later because I always save the best for last. Yes, Somebody she else. Likes, she likes to be last. I she like, to be, like last. to be first. I like to be last. Somebody else gets to go first. And who would that be? I, I could go first if you'd like. <laughs> I, I mean, went first last time. So okay. You did. I did. You well, because it was my day. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Day. It was yeah. romance day. Last it was. Romance time. Day, so I mean, you let me if go you're first. Uh, if you are the queen of romance, you have to go first on romance day. That's very true. On our shelf love episodes, and um, <laughs> big surprise, I read a war book. Kind of a war book. The it's queen not of really, war read a war book. It's not. Doesn't have a lot to do with war. It's um, called Between Shades of Grey. Has nothing to do with Fifty Shades of Grey. Just Thank FYI, goodness. by Ruda Ruda Sepetys, and it is about the annexation of Lithuania by Russia. Oh my gosh, it's, I want to read it. I know oh, nothing it's about so good. Just if that, you I love history, <laughs> Christina's eyes are like. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it is about um, 1941, and this is when Germany. If I don't know how much you know about the history of World War II, but Germany and uh, Russia signed a nonviolence act. And when they did, they took these little countries, Lithuania being one of them, and they split them up. Okay, you can have this country, you can have this country, you can have this country. Yeah, yeah, it's that pretty. Seems rude. 
Yeah, a little bit. They would those yeah. Rude assholes. Like, like really mm-hmm. rude. Yeah. It's not your country. Well, right. <laughs> and it's not like they ask the country, right. hey, you mind if we use this in this treaty? Well, um Russia got Lithuania and basically what they did is they took all of the very well educated people and they sent them to labor camps. Like these people didn't do anything wrong, they didn't commit any crimes, and they sent them to labor camps in Siberia. And it's about a little girl who, well, I say little girl, she's 15 when it first happens. She turns 16 in the labor camps. Her family um, gets invaded by the secret police, by the Russian secret police, and they basically have 20 minutes to grab what they can, and they're shipped to a labor camp. And it's horrible conditions. They're on a cattle car, on a train, going to this, this camp. For six weeks with no water, no running water, no baths, Um, they get a bucket of slop and a bucket of water to share with everybody in the car once a day. Oh, my gosh. And it's just, it's horrible. And then they get to the labor camps, and it's only just a little bit better, the conditions. And they're there for a while, and then they ship them to another labor camp that is north of the Arctic Circle. Oh, my God. What? Yeah, that's north of the Arctic Circle. And it's so it's, like, freezing. I mean, and they basically have to build the officers' huts or, or quarters. And they then after they do that, they have to um, search for scraps and scavenge for things that they can make themselves a hut so that they can get out of the Arctic cold. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. And I looked some of this stuff up because, you know, I'm reading. And I'm like, let's see what this really, what really happened on here. She so, really does this while she reads. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm I Google. She one. stops reading. I do and she goes, <clears throat> then I, I start researching. I wonder if that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I, I really do. She really does. And um, I read on uh, one of the sites that I read, it said that um, over 69,000 people died in these labor camps in Siberia. It was horrible. But anyways, back to this family. So this little girl is 15, and their dad is separated because they separate the males and the females. So what she does is she's an artist, so she draws different things as a pattern so that if her dad can find the art, he'll know where they're at. It's like basically like it's a way for people to find out where she's at, but then it becomes kind of like the history of her whole experience, all these drawings that she's doing. Uh-huh. Because she keeps them until she can get them somewhere that, you know, she can get them without the secret police finding out. Because, of course, if the secret police find out, they're just going to kill her. I mean, and you don't want that to happen, <laughs> obviously. Or just, you know, beat the crap out of her, you know, something like that. So, yeah, and it's just about her story. And the labor camps. Way to bring a room down, Bonnie. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it was a very, very well written book. Um, I would probably compare it to the Book Thief. And you know, we all liked the Book Thief. Oh yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We loved because it. it's about the war, but it's not directly about the war. So if it's somebody who's not necessarily a huge history. historical fiction buff like me but they want to read a story that of something that took place a a sad story because (laughs) you know I would say it's probably a little bit sadder than The Book Thief not quite as sad as like Sarah's Key which was also one of my very favorite ones but yeah it was good and they did I did the audio book and they had an uh, interview with the author after and she's actually from she is Lithuanian and she got the idea of her book because she went back to Lithuania to visit family and heard some stories and ended up interviewing some people that went to these labor camps and wrote her story I can't remember it took her a long time to write it I remember like I want to say like three years to write it so yeah it was it was really good I would and this is one that was recommended by one of our Twitter followers 
And I'm thank you for the recommendation because it was. Do you remember who it was? You should. I'd have to find it. I can find it. Go look real quick. The Twitter follower who recommended is named Sandy, and she's at Silver Sparrow 04. Thank you, Sandy. Yes, it was a great read. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Whoop, whoop. And she kind of caught me right at the perfect time because she tweeted off of um, one of our episodes. And I was right in the middle of looking at my library app to see what book I wanted to check out next because I didn't have anything to listen to. And she, was, and she was whining. She was whining. I don't have anything to read. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I work with some really bitchy women. <laughs> <laughs> they listen, dude. Not the person who I'm talking to. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not going to say names. I'm just going to say I... There are some people at her workplace who are not very nice individuals. That are, and um, they annoy the hell out of me all day long. And if I'm listening to a book, I can tune them out. If I don't have a book, I can't tune them out. And then I'm just sitting at my desk, you know, clenching my jaw going... <laughs> We all know that look. <laughs> so, books keep me sane. Sanity is good. <laughs> but that book again was Between Shades of Grey by Ruta Sepetis. Okie doke. And who wants to go next? Mine's lighthearted. I don't know if I want to follow the sad you one. You should go next. Mine I should is go also next? like lighthearted. Okay. I chose to talk about The Martian by Andy Weir. Yay! Because, not because it's the greatest book ever, and it's not. It's a fun, easy read. But because of what the book does. So, one thing that's real cool about the book, if you haven't read it or seen the movie is that it gives lots of real-life science. So the astronaut, there's a big storm on Mars, an astronaut gets stranded all by himself. And he, what he has to do, he has to figure out how to communicate with Earth and eventually how to find a way home. What makes the book fun is that the author, Andy Weir, wrote it serially. He would release one chapter at a time. And as the book was being released, he would get a huge, huge following of people who were who worked for NASA, who were scientists, who were chemists, who were physicists, that would say, no, solar power panels don't work like that. You need to do this, 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 and this, and make it accurate. Oh. Well, that's so kind of be- cool. So he got he released it one at a time yeah. and actually got expert advice by people as who were reading writing. it. See, now, I exactly. didn't know any of that. <clears throat> so because of that... It is one of the most scientifically accurate works of fiction that is out there. Um, a few, there are a few glaring problems scientifically with it. One, there are no windstorms on Mars. Or there are, but they don't have enough atmosphere to actually knock over a spacecraft. So, technically, oh. the whole premise is flawed, but he basically, the author basically said... Well, I had to get him stuck somehow, and I couldn't think of anything better. you got to have a little bit of creative license, and what do they call that? Suspension of disbelief, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, you know, is difficult for me sometimes. Besides, So just suck it up, buttercup. Right. Well, I wouldn't have, and if she didn't tell me that there wasn't, that didn't happen on Mars, I wouldn't have known it. So that's okay. And the thing that's fun about it is that because there is tons of actual real hard science it has the real potential to become very, very dry, very, very, very fast. Yes. But but the author places humor in there and places personality in there and strange little storylines. So it's not just a book about a dude stuck in a space station that can't talk to anybody else. There's fun. You get to see a bit of how he copes with his situation. But for me, the real draw, I love... I love sci-fi that has a basis in reality. If it's all just, oh, we're going to hyperspace and there is absolutely no explanation of how or why, I'm like, nah, okay. But if there's some reality behind it, I find that fascinating. And like you said, where you will look it up, mm-hmm. I would stop reading the book and Google. Is yeah. that possible? Yeah, can, can, that, can that I do that? that way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to be logical. I mean, I'm like you with the sci-fi now because I've read some sci-fi that I like because 
I can logically believe that it would happen. Like Ready Player One. I can <laughs> logically believe that that would happen. Some of the sci-fi, like Terry Pratchett. Oh, that's oh not sci-fi. Come on now. That's not but, really sci-fi. Well, that's that's fantasy. fantasy. Okay, I'm sorry. But there's some sci-fi that I've tried to read, and I can't think of one specific that I just I can't wrap my brain around it's just too thinking far out there for her that yeah. it would happen and i, I think, can't you know suspend my di- suspend my disbelief long enough to get enough into the story if the plot is there though even bad science in a sci-fi can be okay you look at ender's game there was no i mean there was a little bit but it was not a scientifically accurate book even a potential future science yeah but i didn't read that but it was so good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can't talk. You can't talk science fiction with Bonnie because she hasn't really read a whole lot of it. But you now can, some, some, I mean, right? Yeah. And I follow this. You know, when somebody's reviewing it, I can follow the story, and it sounds really interesting until I go to try to read it. Then I'm like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with all the science in there, he would have teachers contacting the author. Would have teachers contacting him and saying, "Look, this is a great book. I want to use this book." as a textbook in my science class. And he was blown away, the author was blown away by this. He's like, I can't even believe that someone would wanna do this. But even NASA signed off and said, the science is solid. He did his homework, everything is right for the most part. Yeah. So this teacher emails him, guy in California, and says, I want this to, I want this to be a textbook. Do you think you can send me a copy without the swear words? I can't get the school board to approve it. <laughs> Evidently, the three book girls version will not work <laughs> in science class 101. So oh, what the hell and, are you trying to say? <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> so he goes and he talks to his publisher and says, I want this to happen. This is awesome. If I can, if my book can be used to help get kids interested in science, then nothing else I do will have mattered. This is the most important thing. I want to make this happen for kids. So the publisher goes, you got to wait till after the movie. You're just going to confuse people. So I said, OK. And they sat down. They sat down with educators. And not only did a childhood-friendly, language, boring kind of book, (laughs) but they also added in experiments and classroom projects that the kids can do to learn physics, to learn chemistry, to learn uh, electronics, and mimic the things that Mark Watney, the main character, is doing in the book, and actually learn science with these activities that are in the student edition of the book. Wow, now my really mind is going my mind is going click 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 because I'm thinking oh man wouldn't it be cool if you wrote a book about a bunch of little kids that learn science from that book and they're on a space spaceship on their way to Mars <laughs> wouldn't that be cool that would be very mm-hmm. cool yes dang <laughs> see I haven't read the book but the book sounds like something that I might like because it has you know it's very so much science. It, it actually it. does sound like something that you would like, Fonny. <laughs> Astronomy is like one of my favorite things. Like, I watch documentaries all the time on Netflix, and a lot of them are on you know the universe. And there's one about black holes that I absolutely freaking loved. Did you watch the movie? Um, oh damn, I forgot what it's called. Interstellar. Huh. Okay, you have to go and watch it. They had um, a black hole in the movie. Mm-hmm. They took data from all these scientists that were com- that were combining the math and figuring out well the gravity of a black hole looks like this here and this here and this here and this here and we kind of have an idea what it looks like based off the math but no one's ever been able to put it together and see what it looks like because it's just there's too much math there's too many numbers we don't have the computing power to render it mm-hmm. so the people who made interstellar were like <laughs> We got a Hollywood budget. We can fix that. So they actually took the... I know. It's so exciting. This is the sole reason I went to go see this movie was because of this one scene. So they took the numbers and it plugged it into a computer, threw the render up there, and apparently everyone was just speechless looking at at this thing because this was the closest any of us will ever get to actually seeing a black hole. And to the best of our knowledge, that's what it looks like. It's like, oh my gosh, and I got to see that for $7.50 at the movie theater. That's awesome. And it was Interstellar? Interstellar. We gotta watch that, man. We the do. movie is not that good. I haven't seen I it. Mean, it really isn't, but that one scene is worth the price of admission. You're as much of a 
well, science you, nerd as I well, am. Well, you know I am. I'm a huge <laughs> science nerd. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, Christina. Yes. I did not like that book. Yes, I know. Yeah. We Very talked about sad. this beforehand. And the reason that I didn't like it had more to do with the style of the book. It was written in a very, um, it was written in first person and it was written in diary entries. And I had a really, really difficult time reading it mm-hmm. because of its dryness. Yeah. Because it was just the one person talking to himself the whole time. There was really no good way for me personally to get through that. It, I just didn't care for the style. I don't know what else to say about it. It was a great movie. See, I found it quaint. I really did. Because, I mean, it it seems obvious that the guy was a first-time author writing this thing. Yeah. He did not have the experience. But unlike some other first-time authors who wrote blog entries or Mm -hmm. Twilight fanfic that got made into terrible books... (laughs) (laughs) Is she talking Twilight right now? I'm talking Uh, Twilight fanfic that got made into terrible books. Yes. Fifty Shades of Grey, if... Any listeners didn't know that? I no, I actually did not know it that. Started really, is Twilight fan fiction, and then it was all the names were changed. So and now Fifty Shades of Grey is Twilight fan fiction. Yes. Oh, girl, yes. yes. So if you ever have you ever Holy number one really? don't read yes. them. I read them because I have this problem where if something bad is happening, I have to also experience it so that I can make mm-hmm. sure that it is as bad as everyone is saying. Yeah. So I read all of them. <laughs> It's not my favorite part of my personality because I suffer through things like that a lot. But so if you watch the movies, I've never seen them, but that's Uh two hours as opposed to like 300 pages of the first book. Well, I read the first book because, you know, I read them Mm -hmm. when everybody was reading them and loved them. Everybody at mm-hmm. at the place I was working at the time. Well, not everybody. There was one lady, and I know that another one that I don't even remember who it was now was saying that oh they're so great they're so wonderful you need to read them blah 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 they're so wonderful and they told me like the plot and I'm like yeah that sounds terrible <laughs> I'm like no 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 it's, it's really great it's no, really it is great terrible. and I'm like okay well bring me the first one I'll try it and I read the first one and it was. So horrible. <laughs> it's one of so the most horrible written things I've ever <laughs> intaken so in yeah. my life. Someone yeah. gave me the books and she goes, This I've been married for about hundred and fifty years, okay? She gave me the books and said, These will change your marriage forever. Is it going to introduce abuse into your marriage? Apparently that's no. all it's gonna do. And I read the first one and it didn't take me long. I read quick. I read the first one, I'm like, ah, this is garbage. I'm never this is, this is horrible. I hate everything about it. And I threw it down. I'm like, well, the books were free, so I might as well go ahead and read them. <laughs> and I ended up reading the whole horrible series the entire time thinking to myself, I can't believe you I read terrible. the whole thing. I yeah. am a terrible person for reading this. But it only took me like three days. I read quick. Also, but, as someone who reads a lot of romance, people were like, this is the most risque thing being sold. I was like, first of all. <laughs> first of all, friends, this is written by someone who very clearly like disdains talking about sex in real life. I have to agree with and that. I agree with that. In yes. the writing. It was written by a 13-year-old girl. As someone who reads a lot of romance, it's not good. No. Like, no. In the hierarchy of things I've read, it's hanging out at the bottom. Yes. But yeah, it's not good. Also, people have been writing way more risque stuff. Since the early 90s, I think late 80s, early 90s, Anne Rice came out. Yes. And that was pretty hot. Yeah. The Sleeping Beauty thing. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I don't think the series wasn't called Sleeping Beauty. It it was called Beauty's Claiming. Claiming, claiming Sleeping, sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Claiming a Sleeping yeah. Beauty is the first one because I read the first one, but I didn't read that. The I mean, first one is the only one that I bought. If you had any interest in that sort of thing, which some people do, <laughs> and it, as a curiosity, more so yeah. than anything, that you go, oh, people really do that sort of thing? <gasps> Hopefully yeah, not like they do that, it in Fifty Shades of Grey because that's abuse. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's yeah. not good. Yeah. So I, as I, I was saying, we really tangented you. Sorry, that's okay. Before the five minute tangent, unlike Fifty Shades of Grey, where it was obviously an amateur author who would throw in very very large words to make herself look smarter, I found that his amateurness was quirky and entertaining as opposed to obnoxious. I obviously am alone on this, or no. at least. 
I, no, I enjoyed it. No, I, yeah. I, I don't. I would. I would never put him in that category. Right. I think he did a very, very good job. Right. Uh, it just wasn't. It your just cup wasn't of tea. my thing. And yeah. There were a lot of people who loved that book. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the um, sister of one of the girls that we work with at the library came in, and she and I are usually right on the same page for books. <laughs> she came in and just gushed at me. Gush, 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 gush. Oh, my God, Martha, you have to read this book. <laughs> and I went out and bought a copy on Kindle, and I never buy anything on the Kindle because I just don't usually read anything on the Kindle. And mm-hmm. I bought it on Kindle because we didn't have it at the library. And I tried to read it on the Kindle, and I couldn't get through it on the Kindle, so I waited until it came out on audio, and I couldn't get through it on the audio either. It just wasn't my style. Yeah. I mean, it happens sometimes. Right. But it didn't make it a bad book just because I couldn't get through it. It's just not my style. <laughs> um, and I think it proves that it's not a bad book because so many people loved it. So... He got a book deal and a movie deal within yeah. the span of like... Yeah, I'm saying... under a month. The guy's not a bad writer. No. He's a good writer. But it's he's just def- he's amateur. Yeah, I but mean it's quirky. Yeah, it it's just not for me. Right. Well, so, it's just kind of like not everyone's going to like the same. Right. And I'm book. saying that right. all the I say that so. all the time. I say it all the time. If you don't, if you personally don't like a book, don't keep reading it. Mm-hmm. You know why torture yourself if you're not into it? I do that all the time. But it's it's not like saying just because I don't like this book, it's trash. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the case. Right. Now with Fifty Shades of Grey, that is 50 the case. Shades of Grey. Because <laughs> it is trash. And I think a lot of people agree with me on that one. Before we keep going on this, could you please give me title and artist of, of your book, oh, of please, course, Christina? Yes. The t- <laughs> Before everybody thinks you read Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, no, <laughs> Since no. we've been talking about it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> the book is called The Martian, and the author's name is Andy Weir. Perfect. Hey, can I have a question for you? Sure. Can you take a Kindle book that you've bought and put it on my Kindle? Yes. I can? Yes, you can. Can you? Yeah. Because... Uh, How do I do that? You have to do it through the desktop, I think, but you can loan books. And I think you can only loan, like, one a month or something, but you absolutely can. Because if you have... How about if I just loan you my Kindle? I never read the damn thing anyway. (laughs) I'll just loan you my Kindle. You play you play games on Not on that one. That's, oh, that's my plain old Kindle. One? Yeah, I have that like thing the one laying that around. You, the one that I got for Christmas? Is it the same one like it's that? This, it's kind of like that. Yeah, only it's an older version of it. Yeah, it's just a plain old Kindle. One that's small enough I can hide on my desk and uh, read while I'm on hold? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never do that at work. Yes. <laughs> Remind me, I'll charge it. It just sits by my bed. It does nothing. Okay, because I'll listen to The Martian on the Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> I needed another Kindle book. There you go. There you go. See? It all works out. <sighs> All right, we should probably move along to the next selection. Yeah. That okay. would be Alyssa. Okay, so my book this week is The Amulet of Samarkand by Jonathan Stroud. I'm going to start by saying this is a YA book. YA meaning? Young adult. Awesome. Right? Okay, because for a yes. second I was like, I don't know what that what is it? <laughs> well, I just wanted to explain for those of us yes. who might not know what that means. So, so somebody yeah. didn't think that was some some sort of kinky like. What is bang. the opposite of that? <laughs> so whatever the opposite of that is. <laughs> what? There's no romance in this story, Martha. And they do <gasps> have get excited. Zero. Exactly zero. Exactly they do have mature zero. adult books that you can. If you go to the little filter things in the library, <laughs> you can choose mature adult. That book, You, that I read, that was under Mature Adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, you know... The sluttiest I, of the slutty books in the library are under Mature Adult. <laughs> I didn't know no, that. No, those are yeah. under erotic novels. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know where those are. <laughs> I haven't checked those out at all. <laughs> and That's if you want a list of my favorite of those, I can give that to you later. <laughs> I mean, I'm always Look at you over there. <laughs> Look at you over there, gray chicken. <laughs> That's right. You want a piece of my meat? God damn. Okay, so young adult with no romance. No okay. strippers. I can't okay. believe we're doing a young adult novel talking about strippers. Okay, I'll stop. So this book, uh, I read The Amulet of Samarkand for the first time probably when I was 14 or 15 years old. 
Um, and then two or three years ago, I it's the first in a trilogy, and so I rebought the trilogy because I saw them at the store, and I was like, oh, you loved those. Buy them, buy them. And then I just now got to them. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it starts with a 12-year-old boy, and his name is Nathaniel. I know what you're thinking, Alyssa. Why would I want to read a book about a 12 year old boy? Because sometimes an adult. they're really good. Because <laughs> it's they really, really good. Sometimes I don't really care good. that it's a book about a 12 year old boy. These books are so good. So it starts out with a 12 year old boy named Nathaniel, and and as it turns out, he is a magician, and he lives in the city of London with his caretaker. Is not the quite word, quite the right word, but the man who's teaching him to be. A magician and his wife. So in this world, it's kind of like an alternate reality where it's the real world, but magic exists. So tons of famous people in the past were magicians like Egyptian pharaohs and Gladstone and the current London prime minister and people, basically the people who rule the world are magicians. And so there are two classes of people. There are magicians and there are commoners. And so, but unlike other stories, which I really like, magicians aren't actually magical, which is an interesting concept. So the way that these are set up is so when children are very young, there are these advertisements and parents (laughs) can be given money to give their child to the government and their child. It's not great. It doesn't focus on this very much but so then those children are given to like other magicians in the government and they're trained in the art of summoning and so they have to learn all of these languages like coptic and ancient latin and hebrew and greek and sumerian and they learn to draw these um, extremely detailed pentacles and runes because the source of their power are actually demons. It's really, really cool. Um, wow, this sounds like your kind of book. It's really good. It's, oh, I'm I, loving it over yeah. here. So, I think I've read this. So there are five classes of demons. And so the highest is a merid. And then it's not really clear. A, a freet. It's not really clear Freaked. how you say yeah. that one. Yep. Yep. And then a genie, and then a foliate, and then an imp. And so there are classes within those. So you have, you know, you could have a genie that's like a level one, but then you could have one that's like a level 14, and that's much harder. And so Nathaniel does not particularly like his caretaker. His caretaker is not a nice man. His name is Mr. Underwood. Um, he tells Nathaniel that he's stupid and that, you know, he's not going to amount to anything when, in fact... Nathaniel is brilliant. You know, he's incredibly smart. He's intaking all of this information much faster than most kids do. He's really driven. Um, the only friends he really has are Mr. Underwood's wife and his art teacher, who teaches him how to draw the very impressive pentacles and runes and stuff like that. Um, so the story starts, and Nathaniel is summoning a genie, and he's doing it in secret because you're not allowed to do it until you're at the age of 12 when you receive your new name. And so because these demons, if they find out your real birth name, you it's hard for you to control them because then they have a power over you. And so you're not he's only he's 11 when this starts and then he turns 12. And so he's doing this in secret in his room because he's been told he's not allowed to do this. You know, there's no way he could possibly do something like this. And usually they start children start with the lowest level so they'll summon an imp which is something that's like i don't know it's at the lowest level like a mouse yeah like a mouse basically if you were thinking about summoning animals it would be like a mouse versus a lion and so um he summons this genie named bartimaeus who is one of my favorite fictional characters i've ever read so one of the unique parts of this book is that this character Bartimaeus is a genie, and so it's got two points of view. It is written in third person, though, Martha, which I know you prefer. <laughs> I actually do so, like third person. And so it's in Bartimaeus's point of view and Nathaniel's point of view. And so Bartimaeus is a very, very old genie. He used to be very good friends with Ptolemy, and he worked for King Solomon, so he's very ancient. Um, but so he's also a very funny character. So he has all these snide asides, and I've never seen it done ever. 
since I've read this book, but so all of his snarky asides are done in footnotes. <laughs> so it doesn't clutter up it doesn't clutter up the text. So it'll oh, be I like love it. I love he'll be that. talking about something and then there'll be that little one and you look down at the bottom page and he and he'll just rattle something snarky off and it's hysterical. <laughs> I wish I could do snarky. I have <laughs> never I've never seen anything else written like it, but it's done so well. It's absolutely hysterical. And he gives all this backstory of like this time that I was, you know, guarding the walls of Prague or this time that me and this other genie, you know, we did this, we have this bad relationship, but also we worked together. It's so good. But so over the course of this story, um, Nathaniel summons Bartimaeus because he wants to get revenge on his master because he hates him. And so he wants Bartimaeus to steal the amulet of Samarkand from another magician. And he has it hidden in Mr. Underwood's study. And so um, the other magician, his name is Simon Loveless, and he is definitely the villain of the piece. And (laughs) so the story kind of goes on and you see the antics of Bartimaeus and how Nathaniel is kind of slowly losing control because he's 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's doing things that are far above the ability, the abilities of adults. Like, right. there are adults, like, his master probably couldn't summon and control something the level of Bartimaeus hmm. for the amount of time that Nathaniel is able to do it. And so, over the course of the story, Bartimaeus learns that Nathaniel is his birth name. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of, he's kind of able to fight back. Um, I don't want to say the end of the story, but basically, um, the last half of the book is Simon Loveless wants to take over the British government, and um, Nathaniel learns that, and he wants to try and stop it. So it's like a fight between good and evil. It's a fight basically. between good and evil. It's. It's so good. The whole series is great. Um, there are three of them, and then I think there's a prequel that he wrote after the whole series was done. It's one of the best things. I've One of my favorite YA books of all time. It's so good. It's mm. so fun. I had forgotten how funny it was. And as an adult, like, because I read this when I was younger, like, there are definitely jokes that I missed as a, as a 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I was but like, this, this be, is great. <laughs> it would be good for a 14-year-old to read. Oh, absolutely. I doesn't think have any. I read on Amazon, like, 6 to 12. But it's mm-hmm. written very intelligently. And so it's a thing. Like, I remember reading it. And, like, a couple times I was like, I need to look up that word because <laughs> the context isn't helping. Right. Um, so it's very intelligently written. You know, it doesn't assume that children are dumb. And it's... Mm-hmm. See, I those mean, are the kinds of books that I think so are... It's so unique. Yeah. It's... Mm-hmm. I've never read magic done this way before. Um, and I really like that it's set in kind of the... You think it might be the modern day, but... It, it could be kind of any time between, like, the 1950s and, like, I think this is written in the early 2000s. Between the early 2000s, the only technology you ever really get is, like, there are cars so and telephones. And so you can kind of imagine it being whenever. And it's really, really cool. Hmm. hmm. Sounds good. And the best young adult books are written intelligently. Yes. My daughter's seven, and... I do a lot of reading aloud to her, and she's getting to the point where she's starting to read on her own now. So because of that, I've gone back and revisited my favorite young adult books and bought them all so that I can read them to her and Mm -hmm. she can read them herself. And I found that the ones I sat down when I was a kid and thought, yeah, this one's really good. Going back as an adult and reading it, it's still really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're well-written, they're intelligent. and And that's the reason why when we do this podcast... Having young adult books on this podcast is important Mm -hmm. because those are the books. I mean, what did I read when I was 12? I read Lord of the Rings when I was 12. Mm -hmm. What's my favorite book right now? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's still my favorite book. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think I like reading YA. I didn't read it much when I was for that genre because I was an annoyingly pretentious teenager and I was only <laughs> reading classics at that time. <laughs> I would have exhausted me now. It's like, why were you like this? But I, there's such a freedom in YA mm-hmm. with creativity in a way that adult books are not. I would have... Agreed. They're just, I mean, yeah. there's some great adult books, 
but just there's such creativity and such fascinating stories written for YA that for adults, I think sometimes they get bogged down in being taken seriously. We take ourselves so way too seriously. It's just not as... I mean, we've talked about this before. I read for fun. I want to be delighted when I read. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes with adult books, it's just not there. Like the love of writing and the love of creating this story that has this type of magic that no other story I've ever read has incorporated in a way like it just doesn't happen in adult books that often and that's yeah that's why I went back and read them I was like I need something really really fun it's time to bring Mm. these back out cool okay give us title and artist uh the amulet of Samarkand by Jonathan Stroud the whole trilogy is called the Bartimaeus trilogy lovely okay prepare to be delighted Are you going to tell me about some romance, Martha? Because I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Kind of a freaky romance, but it's a romance nonetheless. You know how we're all queens of something? Mm -hmm. Martha's the queen of freak. The queen of weird. (laughs) That's That's a good queen to be. The queen of weird. All right. This is a book that I probably would not have purchased because... They made a movie out of it, which won an Academy Award. And since they already went there and did that, I probably would not have even bothered. It really just didn't look like something I was interested in. But then I was walking through the bookstore with Kayla, and I saw it on the shelf, and I thought, hmm, that first edition's going to be worth some money one of these days. (laughs) And then I bought it. And it's called The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro and Daniel Krauss. I have to say, this book is art. It's the dark gray of industrial hallways. It's the deep blue of a cold ocean. It's the lush green of a Brazilian rainforest. It's the bright spots of happiness that begin to enter into the world of a mute woman, a janitor, who, who finds a voice in a world full of silence. And then she falls in love with a completely strange individual. But she falls in love. And it's a romance novel. But you wouldn't think it would be a romance novel. So it's like a hidden, hidden agenda. Sort of. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, here's what happens. Here to trick okay? people like Martha. <laughs> I didn't read it with the idea of of really even liking it, honestly, because I knew what was going to happen in it. I'd seen the trailer, right? <laughs> uh, mute girl kisses fish. The end. And I'm thinking, okay, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. It's going to be a sci-fi thing. Okay, whatever. B- but what I didn't count on was the beauty of the writing. I didn't count on that. I didn't count on falling in love with the art that is this book. This is a beautiful piece of artwork. It's a beautiful book. It really is. Um, The Mute Janitor of Eliza is such a perfectly flawed character. She's dowdy and gray and... um, such a depressing character um, and has such a, a, a depressing, dull life. But yet, she buys these beautiful shoes. So she goes to work in these, you know, janitor clothes every day. In beautiful in shoes. In beautiful shoes. I love it. It's just giving me chills <laughs> thinking about it because she walks down these hallways and there she is in these beautiful shoes every day. And this facility that, that she's in, it's an, uh, a research facility. They capture this, this, this creature in, in a Brazilian rainforest and they take it back to study it. And they're basically torturing the poor thing to death. Studying it. Quote, quote. You're right, right, studying it. So she accidentally sees it one day whilst cleaning. She sees the eye of the creature pressed up against the tank. And then, of course, she's interested. So she goes in and she offers it an egg from her lunch. Mm -hmm. And that is how 
the friendship between the two of them begins. And it's a sign language between the two of them. And, and she doesn't speak to anyone. She's a mute. She doesn't have a voice. She literally has no voice. Mm-hmm. And people ignore her because she doesn't have a voice. She's marginalized. She's invisible. And which is sad just on its own. It is mm-hmm. sad on its own. But it's interesting to see how visible she becomes over time as her happiness begins to become more apparent as she falls in love. The shoes, though, the shoes are the best. <laughs> Call her beautiful flippers. Aww. Oh, and the ending. Oh, my God, you guys. Is it so what good? A fucking ending. <laughs> I mean, if it made the Tin Man feel my heart, <laughs> my heart grew ten times that day. I'm telling you, really, seriously, it, this was the best book ever. Aww. It was the best book, and this was the best fucking book ever. I loved this book. Yay! Yeah. I mean, is it um, Goldfinch quality? It was a spectacular book. Awesome. It was spectacular. I will recommend this book. It was so good. It was really, really good. It was good. It was good on so many different levels. It was good because it was well written. Mm -hmm. Um, It was good because it had a lot of really strong, well written characters. It had a lot of, um, a lot of, what would you even call that? Um, the conflict between right and wrong, a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Ugh, a lot of shady shit going on. You had some spies. Yeah, you had some spies in there. You had some, <gasps> you know. I love spies. Yeah. Some intrigue. You had all kinds of crazy shit going on in there. And it was a little Okay, it was a, a, a weird. A little weird. A lot mm-hmm. weird. And the ending! I loved this book. It was so good. Yeah, I didn't see the movie. And you know what, girls? I'm just going to say this right here. I am never going to watch that fucking movie. Never. Oh, so there is a movie for it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It won won an Academy Award. Yeah, I'm never going to watch the movie. Never. Oh, no. I have seen the movie in my mind, and it is way better than anything that they could put on that screen. I'm not watching the movie. This, I have seen (laughs) the movie in my mind, and that is enough for me. Thank you very much. The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro and Daniel Krauss, work of art. Beautiful. Awesome. Guillermo. Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo. Guillermo. And by the way, Guillermo del Toro wrote The Strain, which is also one of my favorite series. Did he really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. It was, and that was spectacular too, on a whole other level spectacular, because it was really creepy as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, really good. Now I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to go read a bunch of stuff by Daniel Krauss now because he's the co-author of this and he's written some weird books. So now I have to go read him too. <laughs> so I'm really excited to um, dive into Daniel Krauss. So yay! So excited, and you know what? I feel bad for Nicole and Jessica because they missed my review of this book. Uh-huh. <laughs> Because it was so good. Teach them to take a day off. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. Damn it. That's okay. You know, we got smoke billowing through Oklahoma City tonight. We've got airstrikes. Still foggy. (laughs) We've got airstrikes in Syria. What else we got? We got uh, teacher strike. Uh, Well, the the teacher strike is over. According to the Oklahoma uh, Educators Association. I know where I'm going to be on Monday, and that's standing in front of the Capitol. But, I don't but know about the teachers else. are not. The teachers had to go back. To they work. had to go back to work, but they had to go back to yes. work. Yeah, I heard that so. there was some that was going to call in sick and taking vacation. And I had some on Thursday, or mm-hmm. Wednesday? Wednesday, Thursday, 
Thursday. Well, Thursday for more. More has Thursday 400, for more. 400 plus yeah. substitute position teachers open on Thursday. Some of my teachers, because I went to more public schools, mm-hmm. and uh, I think all of them. Yeah, there was like five or six of them, and all of them called out. But what we There's, will say, but what we will say, because we're out of time, but what we will say is it's not over. No, ma'am. No. Not over. Nope. And on that note, <laughs> on on that lovely lovely note, what what can we say that will positive that what can what kind of positive thing can we what can, stripper can we go back to the strippers? What do you think, Donald? What's Trump's your stripper, stripper name? name, Christina? We didn't do our stripper um, names. I think it's I think I've got blue underwear on, and I had a ham sandwich. So you're so, blue ham. I'll take blue ham. Blue ham. Blue, blue yeah. ham. Okay. Sounds like a blue, blue ham. I am. Blue brownie, that's alliterative, and I like Woo! it. I like it too. <laughs> I like that a lot. So, I'm super into alliteration. Yes. On behalf of Blue Ham <laughs> and Blue Brownie, Blue Brownie, Great Chicken, <laughs> and Purple Popeye, <laughs> that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Get enough of Three Book Girls? Join the conversation on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.